1: On air. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co host is Carol Zerniel. Carol serves as the executive director of the WellMed Cherubil Foundation. She has a master's degree in social gerontology, over 30 years of experience in the field of aging and caregiving. She was one of Next Avenue's top 50 influencers on aging, and she is nationally recognized for her work as a gerontologist. And Carol Zerniel, uh, Pride Month is uh, the month we are celebrating. Uh, in June, and we've got a very special guest coming on today. Uh, you've done a lot of work in this area. Well, we do. Um,
2: we we see that there are unique challenges to be an older person who is in the LGBTQ plus community, to be a caregiver, and we probably don't talk enough about it. Uh, and And so we're just thrilled to have Bob join us uh, today on the show.
1: Well, world world-famous Bob of the Rainbow Connections in Austin, Texas. Uh, She has spent a lot of years working as an advocate in the LGBTQ community, working with older adults and the challenges they face. And she is our very, very special guest today. So, world-famous Bob, thanks for joining us.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that you all are doing this subject matter, and I'm really honored to be a guest. Thank you.
1: Well, what are some of the issues that uh, you come across, especially when it comes to caregiving and people who are care recipients who may be in the LGBTQ community?
3: Well, like most things, um, and I'm just going to paraphrase because the alphabet soup can be such a tongue twister. So I'm going to say in the community. And what I mean by that moving forward is two spirit, LGBTQIA plus two spirit refers to indigenous people of more than two genders. And lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, asexual, plus. So I'm going to paraphrase and say community. I think it's just a really great way to invite everyone to the conversation. Our community, as a queer person okay. myself and a non binary person, our community is multifaceted. Like any community, there's all of these moments of intersectionality. And one of the things specific to caregiving and elders is. In my age range, I'm in my 50s, a lot of my friends are being called upon by, by, by biological family members, original family members, to be caregivers. And they're not stepping into a beautiful understanding environment. So this is one of the, there's a lot of quandaries, right, for LGBTQ plus community caregiving. And I think there's the people who need it, who are members of the community, There's the people who are giving it to members of the community who themselves are not. And then there's people being called back to their families of origin in a way that can be really conflict creating because maybe they didn't come from such an understanding place. So there's a lot of levels to this and I'm excited to get into it. The first level I want to say is self-care, right? So whether you are Going back home to take care of your parents who don't understand why you're trans or whether you are an older person in the community seeking out assistance and help, taking care of yourself first is the top priority. And I say that for both sides of the equation. And one way a caregiver can take care of themselves first is by maybe that younger person or their person in their 50s going back to take care of family members. Maybe they have conversations and they set some boundaries. Maybe they reach out to a local caregiver support agency or a social worker and schedule a family meeting to discuss exactly what role they might play. Boundaries could also include not doing it, right? It depends on the level of trauma that's there and if they're actually going to be able to show up for themselves and the person they're caring for. And as far as people who are seeking caregivers that fall into our beautiful community. There's a lot of resistance there sometimes because there's a big fear of mistreatment or discrimination. And that can cause older members of our community to actually delay putting off the request for help, which can lead to more intense health problems as well as social isolation.
2: Yeah, you know, Bob. I think what you said is so important. And anyone listening, the idea of setting boundaries is essential in a caregiving situation in life. You know, we say a fence is a really good neighbor. Um, and and saying, you know, especially if you're walking into a situation where it wasn't the beautiful happy family, uh, and and just saying, I've got lines, and and this is where they are, um, can really help alleviate. Uh, more trauma, more unhappiness moving forward. You you were reminding me when we first started the Caregiver SOS program, we had a woman who had divorced her husband years ago, 20 years ago, and their children asked her to come back and let him live with her and take care of him even though he left her, which is a horrible family dynamic. In a situation where your parents didn't understand your choices, didn't, don't understand your lifestyle and to be asked to go live, spend every day in that situation, um, that probably does need that a support group for that caregiving situation. So all oh, great advice.
1: We're going to pick that up with Bob in just a moment, but I want to remind folks who may have just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air talking about the challenges faced in the LGBTQ community. Uh, for those who are involved in caregiving. And and Bob, you set up an example that, uh, as Carol was just mentioning, happens so much more than folks can realize. Someone who was marginalized, discriminated against, maybe rejected by their family, suddenly they're saying, yo, we need help, come on home.
3: Yeah, it's a complex situation, and I think there's no across-the-board answer. There are some suggestions I can give for those situations. But there, you know, and some people might say, that's so cruel. That's your family. How can you turn your back on them? And again, it depends on the level of, you know, somebody not understanding why somebody's trans, somebody not understanding why somebody's gay, a lack of understanding isn't, isn't a negative, as long as you're curious and you ask, right? So we don't have to understand each other to love each other. We don't have to totally understand each other to treat each other with respect and dignity. So I think it's more of when there is an absolute shutdown, when there's a a situation where a person was not accepted by their family and just in that way that they never were the family never asked or wanted to get to know them. They just said, you know, I'm not going to accept that part of you. I'm just going to remember you like this and move forward. And so they're not really having a relationship. That's two ways. They're just keeping this idea of who they want that person to be instead of who they are. And one of the things I really would lean towards is support, right? So not meant to do this on our own is one of my huge, huge phrases that a mantra that I like to remember and support. LGBTQ, that community, our community, we can represent ourselves the best. So, going to organizations and community centers, asking for resources from those people. That's my number one thing that I would suggest. And if somebody's listening and they're not in the community and they want to, well, I want to understand. I just don't. I'm scared to ask questions. I don't want to get it wrong. Those are a lot of things I hear from people that are not a member of the queer community. And that's okay. People in the community, myself included, get it wrong sometimes, right? I've misgendered people. We're all human. And if we show up and do our best and ask questions and are willing to take a risk, that's, that's going to lead you to the road of becoming a better ally. Um, we have at Rainbow Connections ATX here in Austin. I, sp- I specifically focus on creating programming and activities that are free. People in the community, ages eighteen to one hundred and ten. The reason why I do that is because I feel like every stage of life has an intense value, and in the queer community, it's really important for us to connect with younger people as well as people twenty years or more older than us, so that we can have that steady family thread, right? That chosen family thread. And that's another thing I wanted to talk about. Um, a lot of <clears throat> a lot of people in the community are cared for by their chosen family when their family of origin rejects them. And so that can cause some complications as well. And even if you're not in a place where you need a caregiver, thinking about creating and filling in those legal documents that set up the people you want to take care of you ahead of time is always a good idea. I tell my drag kids in their thirties, work on your will, work on your advanced care directive, you know, work on your power of attorney and all these things Um, I had a dear friend in New York city who was a drag queen and she died of cancer. And there were two funerals. There was the funeral that her biological family put on. There was the funeral that her boyfriend put on and just having that division at a time of such a in-depth emotional crisis, such a moment of loss. If we can prepare the people we love for that moment and set it up for them ahead of time, that's also a huge act of love that we can leave behind
1: those two different funerals. It must have sounded as if they were burying two different people.
3: It it sounds that way, right? And I think they were. There's the people that accepted the person for 100% of who they were. And then there are the people who chose the the person they wanted. Yeah, created the person they wanted to, which is really unfortunate. It's, um, I mean, you can't, you know, you can't push some people into allyship or into acceptance or into a loving space but they're really robbing themselves of getting to know some really great people by taking that stand.
1: You know, Carol, one of the things I hear Bob saying is what Dr. Jamie often talks about is like your family of choice versus your family of origin.
2: Yeah. And I think that caregiving is difficult enough, um, that having a family of choice,
1: be your support
2: system, um, can really make the journey a lot easier. Uh, We think we are tied to our family, our biological family. And as we go through life, we can let some of that go to be with our family of choice. So Bob, I have to add, we're going to go to a break, but when we come back, you know, I hear this passion in your voice and this understanding of caregiving and the needs. And I'm just curious how you got on this path of caring about persons as they age from your community, Um, and and caregiving in general.
1: We're going to find that out in just a moment. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. World-famous Bob is with us, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll pick this up in a moment. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not-normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org.
2: Hello, friends.
1: we're so pleased you're sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. We're talking with world-famous Bob, talking about the Rainbow Connection, Austin, Texas, where the kind of work they do for older folks, LGBTQ caregivers and others, is making a huge difference in people's lives. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is with us. And Carol, you had a way you wanted to give this back to Bob. Yeah,
2: Bob, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, There are not a lot of people interested in the aging process, older adults working with older people, working with the LGBTQ plus community, the community that uh, you've been talking about. How did you get interested on this side of the age group and of life? Thank you so much for asking. Even as a
3: young child, I really was drawn to older people because they always had time for me. And I just thought that was a beautiful thing. Um, having that to draw towards older people translated into me really searching for my chosen family. And for me, my chosen family doesn't just include co- social cohorts my same age, right? Like I want to have little brothers and little sisters and just little siblings and aunts and uncles. And I'm gendering these roles to make it easier to understand and, you know, a So instead of a mother, I have a drag mother. My drag mother is Jackie Beat, who lives in Los Angeles. And so in in my pursuit of this chosen family, I sought out people my own age in my 20s, but also people a little bit younger. And I've always looked to the elders in my community because I feel like in order to shape the future of anything, we need to honor the past. There's this There's this delightful, naive ignorance that youth has, myself included, in my 20s. I invented this. This is all my idea. And that's a beautiful energy that's appropriate at a certain age. But there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that too. And knowing that I have ancestors and transcestors, people that have walked roads just as bumpy as I'm walking right now, especially living in Texas as a queer non-binary person, that's really inspiring and helpful for me. And I also feel like, When I have volunteered with younger youth, ages 12 to 25, their sentiment is no one listens to us because we're young and we don't know what we're talking about. When I work with the elders in my community, 60 and over, I often hear we're invisible. The moment we started aging, nobody saw us anymore in our community. And so I thought to myself, what would happen if I took the people who no one listens to 18 and over is where I focus my programming. And then I took the people that are invisible and I put them in the same space. What would happen then? And so that's my passion. I wake up each and every day. My mission statement for my life is I wake up each and every day to create and witness moments of beauty, love, and magic through connection. That is what brings joy to my soul. That is what makes me feel like I can get through anything. And my strong passion for chosen family, I was told to change or leave at 15 and a half. So I left home at 15 and a half and I moved to Hollywood and (laughs) I've been on my own a really long time.
1: So you were told um, to leave.
3: I was told to straighten up and fly right or fly out. I came out as bisexual and didn't go over so well. Yeah. I grew up in a very dysfunctional home with a lot of violence and it was the, the best option for me, actually, even at 15 and a half, was to leave. So I did. And I had a chosen family that gathered around me. They were like 18 year olds and they protected me and they loved me for who I was. And I've just been looking to add on to that and to also create channels for other people to find their chosen family. Not everyone's an extrovert, not everyone's a type A, not everyone's really outgoing. So I like to think of, How can I create moments of community connection, even for those who are seeking something a little quieter?
1: Tell us how your motto, Nice is the New Fierce, fits into all this.
3: So Nice is the New Fierce is the motto I came up with for my drag family. I am the mother of the House of Famous, and I have beautiful drag children, daughters, and um, non-binary people in my house. Nice is the New Fierce, so I believe that it takes strength to be vulnerable and kind. And I believe that that kindness and that willingness to take a risk and show your vulnerability is the most inspiring form of courage. So there's this big, you know, in the drag community, it, it can be very like sharp witted and, you know, a little cutting. It's all play. They're sparring. It's that's how I was raised by drag queens. So there's this, you know, kind of um, reading that happens and it's all fun and games. But I thought, what would happen if we just, if our family just declared, nice is the new fierce? What if we just declared that? How would that put an imprint in the world? And it's been really great. People really respond to it. It's to inspire other people that might be scared instead of acting fierce or um, self-conscious in a way that might make them come off as um, rude. To just lean into that and to let their true selves show.
1: Now, if people go to your website. RainbowConnectionsATX.org. what will they find?
3: They will find our mission statement and they will find photos of people really connecting here in Austin. They will also, what I want to lead them to as the activities and programming specialist is the events page. The events is really where the magic happens for me. So I am the activities and programming specialist. And that's where I really get to work all the muscles that I love to work so much. And you can see, events that people can join online. So you can join those online events from anywhere as well as in real life events.
2: Well, talk, you know, I'm curious, as you're looking into your crystal ball, looking at the future, you know, trying to create a world where nice is the new fierce. What's on your wish list for yourself and the community as you get older? My wish list is connection. Right. Strength
3: through connection so that no one feels left behind that anywhere in the community. If you're a queer person or any other letter in the alphabet soup, that you have someone that you can reach out to. And I want to just do a plug really fast. Sage, where I used to work in New York City, is the leading advocacy and incredible program started in 1978 by people who are attending the center there in the West Village They have a national LGBTQ plus elder hotline. If you're an elder in the community or you care for one, this is a really great add-on. You can call 365 days out of the year 247. They translate their support into 180 languages. This is free and it's 877-360 LGBT. Again, that's 877-360 LGBT. And there are trained, compassionate listeners on the other end. If you're not gay and you're caring for somebody that is, please call them and please ask for some support. And if you are in the community and you're an elder and you want support for any reason, please reach out to them.
1: And what kind of support are you talking about?
3: Sage has access to a plentitude of resources. I think the hotline is for when people are feeling like they don't have anyone to talk to.
1: And we were talking the other day with a, a psychotherapist who said that he is beginning to receive three to four referrals uh, from teens who are suicidal who are in the lgbtq community which is a large increase in terms of what he's been seeing and i I can see you on zoom and you're shaking your head yes yeah what is um, I want to get the number
3: I want to get the number for the trevor project um the Trevor yeah, Project great for is, April. well, what's really important is there is a lot of, so there's a lot of resources out there for the youth because there's such a huge need, right? And so if somebody younger is listening to this, you can go to the trevorproject.org and you can text them. You don't even have to call. You can just text and talk to a counselor that way and they're there for you. Oftentimes I feel like older people in the in the community, the larger community, feel a little left out of that. Like they don't want to crowd resources that are intended for younger people. And that's why the Sage Elder Hotline is so important. And the the barriers, you know, it's a low barrier access. 180 languages they'll translate it to. So there again is that obviously we're speaking in English, but there again is that intersectionality. What if you are a queer elder of color? That's not, that's not as, you know, I worked at Sage in Harlem as an intern and I saw a lot of resistance in the community that wasn't there, say in Chelsea at the main Sage. So all of these different communities bring their culture, they bring their religious beliefs, they bring all of the things that make them unique to who they are, to the situation along with their queerness and that can create even greater obstacles. So I think having a space for elders caregivers of elders in this community specifically is a very important need. The youth is an entirely different program. I'm just nodding my head because I was one of those kids. Right. Well, you know,
2: the, the resources that you're talking about and the kind of help, you know, we want anyone who's listening to make sure that they don't go it alone. And that if they do feel suicidal lost, that they reach out to Sage to Caregiver SOS, to the Suicide Hotline, the Trevor Project. There are resources. There are people who care, and no one should do this alone. And the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline,
3: available 24 hours in English and Spanish, no matter what your sexuality or gender expression are, is 988. You can just dial 988, and somebody will help you.
1: Got less than a minute left, and before we let you go, what would be your final words for folks who are listening as we look at National Pride Month.
3: I would like to invite each and every person who's listening to make a friend that's 20 years older than them to the best of your ability. And make a friend that's 20 years younger than you to the best of your ability. If you're 50, go out there and make a friend that's 30. And if you're 60, go out there and make a friend that's 80. Not someone you know, not a neighbor you say hi to, but a real friend. Because having those connections gives us a way to look back, a way to look forward, and a way to look at each other in the present moment.
1: World famous Bob, thank you so much. We really are pleased you joined us. And if you want to find out more, go to their website, rainbowconnectionsatx.org, and you can get all kinds of information. And again, the hotline, 877-360-LGBT. And Bob, thank you so much for being with us today on Caregiver SOS On Air.
3: Thank you Appreciate
1: so much it. for having me. Happy Pride. For Carol Zernial. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you soon right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zernial and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air.